Gunnar, how how do I sound? Do I sound different to you? You you know you do sound different. You do sound different. What? Uh, maybe more clear or like refreshed, maybe. Like younger, maybe. Yeah. More yeah. powerful. More, more handsome. I was gonna say. More handsome. Yeah, that's what my wife says. Yeah, yeah. It's because I'm I'm coming to you from Rel eight point three, which from what by my calculation is the highest version of Rel ever. That's <laughs> that is that's not just your judgment, Dave. That's that's an objective fact. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, congratulations on that. This is like, it was buttery smooth. The update, I was updated in like 10 minutes and just, just beautiful. I, this is, I'm like vigorous. Uh, I don't know what else I could do. This is like, I, I don't even know. You should stop here. Don't, don't even do an eight four. This is like perfect. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. If I could never do another run release. <laughs> no, yeah. no, thanks for Yeah. No, th- thanks for, thanks for doing that. Thanks for upgrading. Um, uh, yeah, the A3 release, we are, uh, we're especially excited about it because of all of the, uh, one of the big themes for it was um, enabling edge use cases. Yep. Um, so being able to do uh, kind of tiny servers out at the edge of the network, um, mm-hmm. you know, the kinds of servers that talk to cameras and sensors and stuff like that. So we've got a bunch of, got a bunch of tools in there to make it easier to manage RHEL when you've got like 10,000 of them and you need to update them all at the same time, stuff like that. Yeah, it's what is it the RPM OS tree and um, yeah immutable ish uh, infrastructure kind of things like that. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, you can use Image Builder to build your image and then deploy it to uh, deploy it to a bunch of servers. And then if something goes wrong, uh, the system can detect that and then fall back to a known good state. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, the first of kind of many features to come on the on the edge roadmap, but, uh, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. We're excited about it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also got a, uh, early Christmas present for myself. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you know, there's the, uh, I don't know if they're rebranding it, uh, but there's, uh, you know, the, there's a new Google Chromecast with Google TV that's out. I don't know if you, if you got a hold of one of them. Okay, so Google TV. This is not Android TV. Um, it is Android TV that got rebranded as Google TV, of course. Okay, and that Google is different. Rebrand than... something? <laughs> yeah, help me out with this because I'm because I'm confused. So I've got a TV that uh-huh. has Google in it, but that is okay. not Google TV. It could be. It could be. Um. So this, so anyhow, there's, well, there's, I think there's, well, there's also the other thing, like if you look at your, uh, at least on Android, you have on your app store, you have Google Play videos or something like that, which got rebranded as Google TV, just to make things a little bit more confusing. And <laughs> okay. so Google TV is, it's, if you use it as an app on Android, it is like a way it's. Uh, it's like an app to use the other services that you subscribe to, like Hulu and Netflix and HBO okay. down the line, right? Sure. So yeah. the benefit is that you go to one app and you say, search for um, uh, Westworld. And it will say that, oh, I found Westworld on these things that you do have a subscription for, these that you don't. Which one would you like to do? And and you could pick and, and you just go. So there's less of a remember how like in the old days you used to have to remember what channel the shows were on? Yeah, you know, I dimly and, and, I dimly remember these days, yeah. So you had to yeah. know you had to know which uh which uh uh what do they call it then? You had to get on the Napster, right? Or uh or something, right? T V guide. I mean T V guide, right. Yeah. Napster is yeah. different, right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and it's like, oh, that show is always on ABC at eight o'clock or something. And, and it's like, oh yeah, House of Cards is always on Netflix. So I I have to remember to open Netflix to, to watch it. Where here, you just go to Google TV. You don't have to think about it. So that's kind of cool. Um, but, and, and the other thing that was neat is it, it doesn't just, you, you know, how like you train it, like you do like, um, um, you know, the thumbs up, thumbs down, like with Netflix and all the other ones that are doing it now. But it will also show the Rotten Tomatoes scores as well. 
where it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't trust the Netflix ratings, you know, like it, to me, it's like this, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, is it an optimistic thing of like, oh, this is five stars. You're going to love this, Dave. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's like, what what are you thinking? (laughs) You know? And it's, and and, you know, are they just doing that? And it just makes me mad. Right. Right, Um, right. Whereas at least 91% match because you like horses. I know because you watch a lot of movies about horses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so you got the Rotten Tomatoes thing as sort of like a, a co-pilot that can help. But I found that the, the thing that I didn't like is like on the main screen. And so I don't know if this is like a bug or a feature or like a dark pattern. Um, you take your pick, but whenever you're on the main, main screen, it's like, Oh, here are all the cool shows that you could watch. And you start scrolling through them. And instead of it only showing you the hottest stuff for the things that you have subscriptions for, it shows you all the hottest stuff that you have subscriptions for and that you don't have subscriptions for. Uh, But they make it very easy for you to sign up for the subscription service. I have. So I have. uh, So we talked about my new television um, Mm -hmm. in in a past episode and my and I I recognize what you're talking about. So uh, it. uh, my television really wants me to subscribe to Disney plus. Yes. Yeah. Like it's passionate about it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yes. And is that, is that, um, you know, to me, is that a dark pattern or is that a bug or is it a feature? Uh, bug for us feature for them. Right. Or a dark pattern. Yeah. Dark um, pattern, yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing I don't like about it. The other thing, so you probably have the, Google TV, uh, formerly known as Android TV, I guess. Um, maybe the branding didn't cu- catch up on your TV yet, but hmm. um, but you can install apps instead of like channels, sure. and, and you would have like app for all these. But it also has an app for Hoopla, which is kind of cool. So if if you're used to OverDrive, you know, to get like eBooks and audiobooks and stuff like that, Hoopla is is mm-hmm. like a competitor, and you can get a channel for that. And um, the the thing that I don't like about Google TV is that the search isn't as good as it could be because like it doesn't search for like all the services I subscribe to because I was wanting to watch a movie called Colossus um, and from 1970. And uh, it's like, I I spent like 10 minutes trying to find it on Google TV and it wouldn't show up even though, you know, it's like I, it ultimately it was in Hoopla that I have, hooked into Google TV, but it wouldn't find it. It wouldn't search the Hoopla catalog, but I went into like the just watch Android app and it found it like right away. But have you ever seen Colossus, uh, the Forbin no. project? No, no, tell me about that. Yeah. So 1970, um, imagine there's, there's a guy, Dr. Forbin that, um, created this massive computer, massive. It's, it's Colossus, right? That, mm-hmm. um, it's like they turned it on and they basically attached all the weapon systems to Colossus. And then they put this radioactive shield around Colossus. So nobody good person or bad person can get in um, to attack it. Right. And shut it off. And um, you know, what could go wrong? Right. And, and the, and so the selling point was it, it's no emotion. It's all based on logic and you know, nothing could go wrong. And as soon as, the uh, the the Colossus computer started up. The president made an announcement uh, to everybody, saying that oh, it's peace in our time. You know, the Russians aren't going to attack us because you know Colossus is going to attack them first and everything. And then, like in the middle of the press conference, um, Colossus like woke up, and then it's like communicating. And then you see all this teletype stuff going on. And then it winds up that at the exact same time the Russians fired up their version of Colossus coincidentally, mm-hmm. and they started mm-hmm. talking to each other. <laughs> right. So right. red meat for our demographic, right? Like what, what could happen <laughs> there? You know? So I'll leave it to everybody as to how, how that ends. But like, if you're a fan of like, it's the, the, the guy, the main character was like uh he was in the Planet of the Apes, you know, the old school movies and stuff like that. So if you like that 1970s dystopian sort of feel, um, mm-hmm. Red Meat. Yeah. That, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll watch that. That sounds good. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's on Hoopla. So subscribe to Hoopla on your uh, Google TV, um, and then you'll have to go in and manually search for it in, within Hoopla. But <laughs> anyhow, and then the other thing is uh, Requiem for uh, Google Play Music. Are, are you saddened or you don't care? I, uh, I I flipped almost effortlessly over to uh, Spotify. Uh-huh. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm actually, first of all, way better than YouTube music, which is where they're trying yes. to send you after Horrible. Google Play Music. YouTube Horrible. music is just a, it's a train wreck. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've told this joke on the show before, but a friend of mine once bought an uh, El Camino, mm-hmm. right? You know this, you know, these El Caminos, yeah. it's oh. a kind of half car, half pickup truck. Yep. And uh, uh, YouTube music feels to me like the El Camino of music streaming services. It's like it's like it's like a music streaming service grafted onto YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's just all compromises uh, as far as yeah. I can see. No, it's um, it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, so, and you know, uh, the thing I like most about Spotify is how easy it is to share playlists and collaborate on playlists mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's just that's just a killer feature. And, uh, yeah. So, um, I'm all about Spotify now. Yeah. To me, I just like, like, I'm not a big, you know, whenever possible, it's like, I pay for the music. I want to like, listen to it and not have a subscription to listen to this. Cause I listen to the same things over and over again. And, and mm-hmm. as opposed to listening to the latest, this and that. And so, you know, I've been reluctant to move to that. And like, I'll, I'll tell you how bad Google was YouTube? I'm getting all confused now. What YouTube Music is, mm-hmm. and so like if you go in there, and I don't know if you've been in there in a while, where it's like, oh, well, I could uh, look by artist, and it, it clicks, so it lists all the artists alphabetical order. You select that artist, and then it shows you all of the songs from that artist in alphabetical order, <laughs> not by album. <laughs> What the hell? So you got that. Okay. And then it's like, okay, forget it. Forget it. I'll just do, I want to just, I'll click on the album button. So I click on the album button and it's all the albums in alphabetical order, not by band. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. like, I don't understand. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's very much like a data data model forward user interface, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of I could I could tell you exactly what their database looks like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Not great. But anyhow, it's like we you you had you did some detective work. Um and, and before we get into that, uh you know, we mm-hmm. we got a lot to talk about here, right? Um before we get into the viewer mail, but um we're gonna talk about hacking faces, we're gonna hack some locks, and we're gonna hack video conferencing. Great, yeah. all three of those things sound great. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, um, so where where do we need to send people? Oh yeah, if uh, folks need a link, uh, a deep link to the Colossus, the Forbin project on Hoopla, um, they can go mm-hmm. to uh, dgshow.org. That's D is in Dave, G is in Gunner Show. dot org. Yep, and then cutting room floor is just one thing. It's a uh, a photo of a salesman getting his uh, motorized roller skates refueled at a gas station in 1961. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a 1961. was a year in which the future was all around us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just not, not, and not necessarily in a menacing way. Yeah. It's just unevenly distributed. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So we, we got, we got two pieces of viewer mail. Right. So we got uh, Ken Guest and he said he was listening to episode 210 and uh, and he uh, heard your your comments on Google Home presence detection. And he asked if you looked at Home Assistant and it might uh, give you uh, some better fidelity. But but what did what did you come up with? Yeah. So uh, join me, won't you, uh, as we go through uh, kind of several layers of things that need to get configured. Mm-hmm. So. First thing to know is that uh, is that I is that I have a tenant, uh, so I have a separate mm-hmm. house in the back and the in the mm-hmm. guest house and 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 a, and a and a nice person lives there, and uh, so I have a so obviously she needs a network, and mm-hmm. uh, if I put her on a guest network on my Wi-Fi because I have an Eero, 
Um, that means that she can't, she can only talk to the internet. She can't talk to anything else connected to the house. Well, that's nice if you're a, kind of a guest in the house, but it's not great if you're actually living there because you have, you know, you want your phone to be able to talk to, you know, devices inside her house. Right. And mm-hmm. um, so I had to put her on uh, for yada, 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 had to put her on, uh, had to put her on my network, which is fine because we're friends. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, great. So now she's on my Wi-Fi. Well, now all of her Google devices show up in my Google home. So now I have to sort them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the first layer of separation is some of those, her devices are attached to her Google account and my Google devices are attached to my Google account. Okay. Good so far. Mm-hmm. But now they're all, uh, Google home wants them assigned to particular rooms. And so what I did for the sake of ease <clears throat> and uh, what I did for the sake of ease was everything that's in her house goes into a room in, in the, in the, in the Google home model. I have my house and then there are rooms in the house. I made her house a room in my house. If you follow me. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So I have a living room, the bathroom and the guest house. Mm-hmm. And in the guest house is the fire alarm and the, uh, and the cameras and the, and the locks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, good so far. Nice side effect of this is that if the smoke alarm goes off in her house, the smoke alarm also goes off in my house, which is okay. actually, that's good. That's good behavior. I actually like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and I realized that, uh, I realized the original question was about, uh, the home presence setting. And right. uh, how my home was thinking that I was no longer home and turning off all my lights and turning on my vacuum cleaner, even though I was sitting here in a conference call. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, our friend Ken uh, suggested I'd look at the home assistant. Right. So in both the Google assistant and in Google home, I've told it to use my phone and all of my various sensors to detect whether I was present or not. And uh, after a little bit of fiddling, turning things on and off, um, eventually the, the shoelace got tied or the snowman put his hat back on. And, um, and now the, the presence seems to be working. Okay. So okay. fine. Uh, for now, good enough. Um, the next thing that happened was that I was noticing that, um, I had set up a routines for home and away. So when I left the house, all the lights would turn off. Like I said, the lights would turn off, the vacuum cleaner would go on. And then when I approached the home, uh, when I come back, the vacuum cleaner puts itself to bed and all the lights turn back on. Totally mm-hmm. normal. Okay, great. Uh, well, what I was noticing is that uh, I would leave and then like 15 minutes later, all the lights would come back on again, hmm. uh, which was very confusing. And then mm-hmm. I figured out that my tenant is in her, it's still in her house. And mm-hmm. that house is a room in my house. And right. my tenant's activity was actually preventing my home from going to sleep, if you like. Right. Yep. yep. Uh, and so... Anyway, so layers that this is um, here, I'm encapsulating two or three weeks of kind of uh, lazy debugging. Um, and uh, we were joking earlier, I feel like I'm on layers nine through 13 of the uh, of the networking stack. <laughs> I'm trying to, get, yeah. trying to get this whole smart home thing working. Um, and I haven't even uh, bored you with the uh, battle I've had between 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi connections, um, which seem to completely confound uh, all the systems I just talked about. Uh, but uh, anyway, moral of the story is things are more or less working now. Uh, I am happy to say, um, mm-hmm. but uh, not without it is extremely fiddly, extremely yep. fiddly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's. Um, I, I feel for the people that are not as technically sophisticated as you. <laughs> I know. I I don't know. Uh, as a you know professional, I, I honestly have no idea how somebody who doesn't understand uh, how IP works, how TCP works, and how Wi-Fi works those seem like mm-hmm. uh, those seem like priors you need in place before you can uh, really go wrestle with a smart home system. I, yeah. Yep. Not for the faint of heart. Yep. Yeah. So got got another piece of viewer mail uh, from mm-hmm. Andrew Stellman. So yeah. This goes back to when we were talking about uh, GPT-3 and uh, the one part where I was talking about um, that that one of the users pointed out on Reddit that the bot probably would not fare so well if the forum was used by adults. And in response, the bot simply said, you're probably right. And um, 
<laughs> so, um, so it said that, and and what Andrew said is that it reminds him of the quote uh, from the Yellowstone Park Ranger about the overlap between the smartest bears and dumbest tourists. Do, do you know about that one? No, no. What is that? Yeah, and I forgot about this, and I had to look it up, but I remembered it after a while. But so basically, I searched and I found it, and it's basically there's a, a quote by a forest ranger at Yosemite National Park that says why it's hard to design the perfect garbage bin to keep bears from breaking into it. And he's the park ranger or the forest ranger says, there's a considerable overlap between the intelligence of the smartest bears and the dumbest tourists. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So there, there you go. So that's, that's good things to think about. I'm used to thinking about being like the second, uh, slowest person when it comes to bears, but um, I guess you got to think about garbage cans as well um, and <laughs> get the garbage in and have it stay in. So, but then we also, we, we, you had an epiphany um, on, on the uh, Slack channel about uh, that visor, that, that bubble that you stand in, right? Oh yeah. About, you know, it's like, you know, it's, what is it like 300 bucks or something like that? You could walk around in this bubble. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about your epiphany there. So, in fact, so we were making, we were making a lot of fun of this visor to a product, which is a basically a, uh, uh, airtight bubble that you mount on your shoulders and you can walk mm -hmm. around like an astronaut as you go to the grocery store or go to the post office or whatever. Airplane. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the, the feature list on there was like, Oh, it's got eight hours of battery life and three independent fans and all this other yada, yada, yada. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I realized like who is gonna like who's gonna drop that amount of money for something like that when a, when like everyone else is just doing a face mask, right? And mm -hmm. then I realized that mm -hmm. the visor is not for wealthy people who are paranoid about getting COVID or whatever. It's for wealthy people or employers and to give to their employees. Right. You have the service. It's precisely right. designed. Yes. It is designed to avoid lawsuits. Right. It is, mm -hmm. I will pay 300 bucks a head to make sure that all my parking valets um, are safely encapsulated and creating a sense of safety for all of my guests. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what that's for. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. And also the other way, too, of like, why should I have to wear this thing when I can just make everybody else around me wear it? Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Um, it's gross. Aesthetically gross. Morally gross. That's how yeah. I feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if that's their intent. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, not buying a visor is the moral of the story. Okay. All right. So let's, let's talk, talk, uh, deep fakes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I, I implored you to watch, uh, the, uh, sassy justice episode with, uh, Fred Sassy. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> so so this, this is from the makers of South Park. So imagine for those of you that, you know, like or dislike South Park, imagine this Sassy Justice show to be like uh, Channel 9 news uh, magazine uh, consumer advocate guy, right? Mm -hmm. But instead of it being a South Park cartoon, it is a deep fake. It's a set of deep fake videos, okay? Right. And the main guy, Fred Sassy, is basically, it's a deep fake of Donald Trump with a toupee. I guess. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. So, so go ahead. Tell, tell me about, uh, about that. Uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, I guess. Yeah. So the, I mean, the way I would describe this is it is scripted and it is exactly like a South Park satire, just unencumbered by animation. It's just, instead mm -hmm. of uh, creating like a South Park caricature of whoever the famous person is, whether it's Al Gore or uh, Zuckerberg or Donald Trump, they're just using deep fakes instead. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, man, and it's, I, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but kind of artfully done because you're watching this thing and you're like, wait, that guy really looks like Donald Trump. And then you keep watching, you're like, that is Donald Trump. Like they are, yeah. that is actually a deep fake of Donald Trump. With a toupee. With a toupee. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah. And so it's, it's a, yeah, it's the South Park guys and uh, Peter Serafinowicz. Um, and so it's, uh, well, scatological, uh, humor, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. is certainly in there. Um, but it is a, uh, Anyway, it is a really hint at the uh, the world to come. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Of of like, like I wonder if this is going to be cheaper than 
like animation or like special effects or things like that. Or like, remember how like you like, well, even today, like you watch Saturday Night Live, how they, they dress up as the, you know, the particular people. And it's like, I, I just thought it was so fascinating. Like if you watch it, I watched it twice, but if, you know, it was socially distanced, right. Where, you know, it mm-hmm. was basically um, Fred Sassy doing uh, zoom exclusives with people. Right. <laughs> so like that worked out really well where you could videotape it and do all the post-processing and this could all be done remotely. Um, you don't need to have a set. And, and it was just like amazing. And it was like, you know, it's like the Fred Sassy guy, he was, by the end, he was really growing on me. It's like, he he really cared about the, uh, you know, about the, the consumer and, you know, and all that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, uh, it reminded me of, um, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was our, our friend, uh, Tim Lee, um, who is a, a journalist, uh, for Voxum or, uh, or has been a journalist for Vox among others. Um, he was talking about the, uh, I don't know if you saw the NVIDIA announcement, uh, about their video compression technology. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I had that in the hopper for a future one. Yeah. 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 So the, let's do that. So they, quick. so they, so, uh, so normally video compression works, uh, by, you know, you take the pixels and then you compress the pixels and you these clever algorithms and they come out the other side and you call it, you know, V8, V9 or H264 or whatever the compression algorithm is that, you know, crunches the pixels. Um, NVIDIA took a different tack, which was uh, capture the model of the person's face and then send that model over the wire or send that using that model, send only basic information about how that face is moving around over the wire and then reconstruct it on the other end. Um, yeah. And so Tim had Tim uh, blew me away by by framing it this way. He's, he's saying basically this is deep fake technology just used for compression purposes. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I had never really thought about that before, but if you, uh, you take this deep figure, what this, what the, what the sassy justice thing made me think about was, um, would I watch, uh, is that how much value could I get like in a comedy show or whatever? How much value could I get out of there being a, uh, you know, this like send up or satire, uh, with these, with these human faces or with these faces that I recognized, right. These celebrity faces. Um, yeah. And, uh, like technologically, like super interesting. And, and this clip is, is genuinely funny. Um, but I wonder, is it, how useful is it as a tool in the toolbox for outside of kind of satire or like three minute jokey, um, like SNL sketches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like it seems like the, the application of this seems kind of limited for, you know, I was trying to think of the good purposes for using it. Like, so for example, um, you know, could we take Harrison Ford and could Harrison Ford just keep making movies forever once we oh, yeah. model his face, right? Yeah. Um, and they're doing that already uh, with like James Dean and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, I'm also thinking about like, why does it have to be a real person's face? Why can't it be just a manufactured face that's uh, kind of pleasing to all demographics, right? And right. I think like. I would not be at all surprised to learn that either China or Japan are already have, you know, celebrities who are, you know, William Gibson style, you know, celebrities already, um, uh, uh, already exist only digitally and not, uh, and not in real life. And then you have maybe real actors who are, uh, doing performances and then using mm-hmm. deep fake technology, putting that fake actor or actress in their place. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, it all kinds of, the technology makes it all very confusing, but I'm thinking about like the, what is the ultimate effect on the end product? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, does this actually, does this actually make for a larger range of human expression or um, are there, uh, obviously these folks have figured out that it makes satire qualitatively different, right? When you can actually have Donald Trump, you know, performing a satire um, Mm -hmm. that makes it or Al Gore or, or whoever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um, Anyway, that seems to me like uh, seems more like a trick than something substantively different. I guess is my point. Does that make sense? Yeah, sort of like maybe a parlor trick or a demonstration of the technology. But but yeah. I, you know, to me, I see it the other way. Where is this the future? Where you know, cartoons become passe, and and this is the way people do this. And and like how you said about. Like if you combine the deep fake stuff with the the NVIDIA compression, imagine doing, uh, 
you know, just from a nationalism or racial standpoint where, um, you know, you do movies that appeal to the American demographic with the facial features that Americans appreciate. And then you, you, oh, yeah. go, you take it to China. And like, I remember when I was in China in you know, a couple decades ago when, and it was big, uh, when Titanic came out. And, you know, they're playing the Titanic music all over the place, you know, with Celine Dion or whatever, um, like all over them. I'm, I'm walking around Beijing. And but if you look at the movie posters there, um, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio had more Asian features than usual, you know, and the lighting right. was, you know, it, it made him look more like uh, like to be culturally uh, resonate, you know. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So we haven't talked about Ben Gurion and the university in a while. No, it's been a couple of weeks. What are, the, what, are those, yeah. what are those guys up to? What did they break this time? No idea. But um, I have some news <laughs> about news that didn't happen at Ben Gurion University from a security standpoint, if you want to hit that. Okay. All right. That's notable all by itself. <laughs> yeah. That's news. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there you found this. There are some researchers that could duplicate keys just by listening to the sound the key makes as it goes into the lock. <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. Which seems like if I was a Ben Gurion, I would be upset because this is straight up their alley. They got <laughs> scooped. Yeah, they got scooped. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you know, you can imagine it's like you could use something like the microphone off of a smartphone or even a smart doorbell, which is sitting right next to the lock. Um, to listen to that. And they came up with a thing called, uh, they call it Spikey, S-P-I-K-E-Y, get it? Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. these are people from, I think, Singapore, uh, the university out there. And um, what it, what they do is um, the result of the file, they try to match it to um, three of the most likely designs that will, that will fit according to the audio file. And I don't know if you know this, but I guess for standard locks, there are only 330,000 uh, different shapes of what a key can do. I don't know if you knew that. Huh. No, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was, I thought it was analog, you know, but I, I guess, you know, there's, there's like 330,000. And so, you know, so they said that given the profile that of the key that's, uh, publicly available for commonly used pin tumbler lock keys, we can 3D print the keys that infer the the bidding codes of the ones that will unlock the door, and it'll print out the three most likely matches. And then you go in, you could unlock the door. Wow, that's something else. Yeah. So it's great. I do want. I wonder if they're. I wonder if they have. Uh, I wonder if there, there's some. I wonder if it's like. Uh, what's the word? algorithmic or uh is it like an uh, yeah is it like a uh is it like uh, do they infer it from the sound or do they have like a corpus of three hundred thirty thousand keys going into locks and then they match it based on that yeah i don't uh, i they may have a corpus or used an algorithm to generate the corpus but it's just ai yeah. matching right of uh, like yeah, pattern yeah. matching of like you know this this lock sounds like this. And, and so whenever it goes in, it's going to have this sort of spike right. in it. And, and that's what it's going to sound like. And whenever you hear that, you want to have this type of bump. Right. Right. I just wonder about this as like a, uh, if I, if I work for Yale or whoever, uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, how do I counteract this? Well, I just put like spurious teeth in the keys or something like that. Right. To like, uh, create fake sounds to like, Anyway, no. Oh, yeah, probably the the yeah. lock people are like that. Ah, it's too too expensive, right? Yeah, that'll right. add that'll right. add fifty cents to the lock, and and so no. <laughs> right. right, and and I guess too, it's like if somebody wants in bad enough, they'll they could just pick the lock or whatever. But to me, that's just fascinating from a you know movie plot standpoint of you could do like a side channel attack on a ring uh, a doorbell, right? And oh yeah, a smart doorbell, and then uh, pull that sound file in and. It's going to be on uh, probably a TV show near you soon enough. Exactly. I mean, I mean, before before I read this article, that you would think if I saw this on Mission Impossible, I'd roll my eyes and be like, "Oh, right, of course." You know, like, yeah. Like, what's the resolution of that? It's uh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the security camera that's NTSC, and then they zoom in and to like infinity, and they could like yes. read the <laughs> newspaper and yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They see the reflection off the paper chip 
or a uh, potato chip bag and yeah and then right. <laughs> um yeah but i i found another one uh close to your neck of the woods uh in uh ut uh, university of texas san antonio um mm-hmm. they figured out a zoom hack um that can detect when uh they could tell what people are chatting okay so like I'm sure you've been on a video call where you may have like a sideband chat with somebody and say, oh, this is so boring or this guy's dumb or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they can they figured out a way using Zoom to decode that. And the way they do it is by figuring out the position of your shoulders. What? Yes. 93% accuracy. <laughs> And yeah, so you put your hands up on the home keys and you start typing and everything. And just by looking at your shoulders of your shoulders going up and down and all that, they figure it out with uh, Zoom, Skype and Google Hangouts, 93% accuracy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, University of Texas at San Antonio and University of Oklahoma are the two two folks. And they said that um, long hair and long sleeves help defeat it. So like if you have hair that goes over your shoulder mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then um, they said that, and this was counterintuitive to me, but they said that people that hunt and peck as opposed to using like the home keys and all that, it's much harder to read the people that hunt and peck, which you would think they're making a much more explicit gesture, but I guess that's harder to, um, you know, come up with a, a corpus of, of people going from home keys and what that looks like. Right. And um, yeah, yeah. guess guess what their proposed uh, guess what their proposed solution is to prevent this hack from happening? <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know what is what is it? Blurring your shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like Makes sense. like elaborate Victorian gowns with like those big poofy <laughs> shoulders, like in a Jane Eyre yeah. owl, like <laughs> yeah, puffy shirt, yeah, like on Seinfeld, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like a pirate shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Well, what's yeah. amazing, what's amazing to me about this is, um, is the fact that researchers in uh, in San Antonio were able to get all this work done with having uh, only inferior breakfast tacos available to them. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're throwing it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Austin, Austin. Well, I'm not throwing it down. It's just an objective fact that Austin has a superior breakfast taco. Mm-hmm. You're just going to outrage all the people in San Antonio that listen to the podcast. Yeah, so we're going to get some viewer mail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What, what is it? Uh, taco Deli. That's that's where it's at. Taco, taco Deli. That's where you go for talk for a, for a taco. You go to Taco Deli, and uh, and also there. I also had a. I, I also uh, held back on the joke I was going to make about hunting and peck, hunt, hunting and pecking typing in San Antonio. I felt like there was a good joke in there too, but I'm going to go with the taco joke. I'm going to go with the taco. Yeah, joke. hunting and pecking for good tacos. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Yeah. There are no good tacos in Cleveland. Um, it's all, it's all pierogies. Um, yeah. So, okay. So how about this one? Uh, so we talked about video conferencing with, uh, you know, being able to get your side channel figured out. Um, Mm -hmm. we talked about doing zoom exclusives. We talked about, um, uh, like all, all this stuff. Right. And so what there's a, there is one thing that I saw that was pretty interesting that, um, there's an app. Let me tell you what the name. It's it's called Mhm is is the name of the app. Okay, mm-hmm. and what it does is like you know how like like nowadays when you do a presentation, you're like this this like little head that and then the big screen that you're presenting, right? Yeah. And yep. so what there what Mhm does is they have um, a thing that will, I guess it plugs into Zoom or whatever, but instead, but it uses the, like the virtual camera technology, you know, where it does like a frame buffer readback and, and, you know, can do fun stuff with it. And, and it could do cutouts and, and green screen sort of effects. And so what mm-hmm does is that instead of having the slides or things like that, uh, like in the slide, it's more of you and you're bigger. And then there's like a thing off to the side. So it looks like a Saturday Night Live uh, news update slash John Oliver slash, uh, you know, name your favorite, uh, you know, The Daily Show right. and all that. 
You know what I mean? Right. It's like a, like a, you can do, it's more of a, rather than a one picture for your presentation, one picture for you, it's more like a, a weatherman situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you can make your, you could drag around and you can move yourself around. You can make yourself smaller, bigger and all that. But it, it really, it's like I saw it and I saw the demo video and it really amps up the production quality where mm-hmm. like, like to me, it's like, instead of the, oh my gosh, it's another like, demo video of like just somebody recording a, a video of them by themselves and um you know it's just a screen share or something this could be like kind of a much more entertaining way to get uh, a presentation or something like that but, right. but what do you what do you think about uh things like that in terms of like upping the production quality of of things like that well i guess the first thing it does is is it ups the production quality by uh changing the uh by just changing the format uh just the mm-hmm. novelty of it alone is going to is going to draw someone's attention um yep. and i wonder how much of its effectiveness is just about the novelty of it um, right because because that will that will wear off over time right yeah the other thing i'm thinking about it. Yeah. exactly and the other thing i'm thinking about it is um okay let's assume that it, that it does stick around and it is a good idea because might might very well be a good idea um, it requires a whole different set of presentation skills. Yes. Cause you gotta yeah. have, like, if you're going to be standing up there pointing at stuff on your slides, you gotta have, well, first of all, you gotta, you're probably going to do your slides differently. Yes. Um, or at least hopefully to take advantage of the fact that you're going to be able to point and it's much more of a, much more like speaking in front of a large group, uh, mm-hmm. or, uh, or in front of an overhead projector, I guess, than, than, uh, than the way, you know, when we create presentations today, it's on the assumption that it's going to be, sent you know one slide after another static in a in a zoom meeting or in a a google hangout or something like that um and so you don't do things like transitions and and other stuff like that um Mm -hmm. whereas if i knew that i could actually interact with my presentation in a video i would probably make a different presentation right Um, yeah do you think it would also be a more of a performance as opposed to a presentation Exactly. Well, it almost demands that it be a performance in a presentation. Like, what's the point if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to share space with the slides, I, I it's going to be because it's I you. Right. performative aspect to it, right? Yeah. Um, and I wonder if people are, are prepared for that. So it's like, it's a tool, but like, I wonder if how much energy folks are willing to put into using it as a, fully exploiting it as a tool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, imagine, imagine a lot of the, uh, government agencies that'll go unnamed that just like they cannot function without PowerPoint slides. Yeah. Right. Right. And you take somebody like that, that has grown up in that world and then you have them use this type of technology. It, it could be amazing. Um, or spectacularly like, like horrifying. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, like some of the yeah, complicated drawings. That's right. Well, and you get, uh, I, I guess this goes to the, if I was to draw kind of a Dave and Gunner point out of this, it would be like all presentations are productions are like theatrical productions, right? It's just, mm-hmm. um, we tend to use kind of very, very crude tools to perform. But even when I'm presenting slides to my own staff, it's like on some level, it is a performance. And yeah. the more and more sophisticated tools you bring to bear on it, I could make it more interesting, but could also, uh, introduces the, potential for error. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and, and also the uh, style over substance of like, wow, that was the greatest presentation. Cause it was, it was too slick. And, yeah. and like, they totally missed the message because it was such a cool uh, novelty. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. That's another danger. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing I think about, too, is is we sort of land the plane and start thinking about wrap this into like deep fakes and um, and all that, where if the cost of, you know, and we could we could even apply deep fakes in here. Right. Let's get the NVIDIA technology of like having uh, Fred Sassy give the presentation. Right. <laughs> right. And right. which would be great. And then um, we, we wrap that in. But like if when it bends the cost curve down to do deep fakes, to do things that are like high production quality. Does that, what does that do for like, you know, like everybody has a blog or everybody has a YouTube channel and mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it and, and it's sort of like, where like anybody could publish on Amazon. And, and so 
It reminds me of Sturgeon's Law. And you know what that one is, right? Yeah, it's uh, 90% of everything is crap. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so what do you think about this in terms of like, will this just create more crap? Uh, well, it's, it, I mean, it's certain to create more crap, right? Mm -hmm. um, per Sturgeon's Law. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is what this is why my first comment was about the novelty of it. Like, mm -hmm. I think... Uh, there will be a kind of a person that for a certain period of time will make like excellent use of this. Um, yes. And then the other 90% of people will not be able to make good use of it, um, whether they know it or not. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder what the, what the staying power of it is, um, especially because it, there's a diminishing return on this stuff too, right? Like even if, even if folks do enthusiastically embrace the technology and they're excited about using it, um, part of the virtue of the kind of Hangouts Zoom mode of like slides and ahead is that it doesn't require me to like script anything, right? I could just right. like and rehearse the script is the and, slides. Yeah. And, yeah, like rehearse it. And because if you want to make it good, you are going to have to rehearse it and practice and figure out how to move the slide to the next thing without, you know, because you're, you're now, now you have to actually use your hands, right? Yeah. Um, and so now you've got all the overhead of, uh, in terms of rehearsals and things like that of an in-person presentation. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a big investment in time in order to make it effective, I would think. And so I want to, I'm sure there's a diminishing return there. Yeah. And well, one, one last thought I have too, is it outside of this whole mm -hmm thing? I've, mm -hmm. I took some virtual presence classes and presentation classes, especially in like COVID style. And what they say is, and, and I think we talked about it too, of uh, having more of like from the, at least from the waist up or people tell you to stand when you present because you're projecting more. And right. what do you think about people giving presentations in their home office while they stand? That I, That is actually a, a fairly cheap and easy way to kind of get in a more animated presentation out of yourself. Uh -huh. Um just because you're in a, you know sitting in a chair, you're gonna you're gonna feel stationary. You're gonna feel like probably your most expressive things your face, right? And you're not gonna be um, uh, you're not gonna be prone to move very much. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I can imagine myself presenting standing up. I, I am going to definitely give a more animated presentation just because I got nothing else for my body to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people would present with a standing desk. They you know with a standing desk and and it's kind of natural, you know, where you get the camera at eye height, but, but even like moving back a little bit, I guess you lose out on the facial expressions, but you gain on the, the body gestures and, and things like that. Yeah, that's true. And it does, uh, the tool is important though, because, um, you know, a lot of the presentations that I'm in, there's like nine people on a screen and usually I'm yeah. busy trying to figure out who's talking. Right. Um, yes, yes. and so, it's kind of like even if you make yourself more animated or more performative in during a presentation on a Zoom or whatever, like does anybody notice? Yeah, right. Unless it's a one to many thing. Right. That yeah. you know, you're presenting yeah, yeah. at a conference and you really want to project. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hmm. Um one last thought about that is you, you got me thinking is that yeah, you're right. It's it's probably better for kind of a one to many thing, like yeah, maybe in a conference setting, right? Um mm -hmm. but uh that almost makes Mm -hmm. The problem with presenting in those conference settings is on a, in on Zoom or through Hangouts or Blue Jeans or whatever is that you can't actually see or react to what other people are doing, and mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to be able to like, calibrate your performance to the reaction. And yes, it seems like that problem only gets exacerbated if you're being animated. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yes, like there's a, there's a certain safety in just sitting there and. Uh, not trying to hit a homer, you know what I mean? <laughs> Performance-wise. <Right. laughs> yeah, no, that that reminds me of, um, you know, things like John Oliver, how, like, and, and others that have taken that from their home office and that removes the studio audience. So you really, uh, you know, you, you don't have the audience to sort of, uh, um, you know, amp you up. And mm -hmm. there, there was another... Um, uh, I'll have to dig it up, but the, I, I saw another article, like um, whether it's music or comedy and all that, they say that like Zoom is not good for that just because yeah. of the way it does like like acoustics for like uh, audio range for like music. And so there are these bespoke 
things that are cropping up. And one of them is for stand-up comedy, where what you can do is um, you could, so you'll have the performer that's performing and the people in the audience would hear the other people in the audience that are quote unquote on your sides, right? So you could hear like, like ambient whispering and laughing and stuff that's really happening in, in real time. But if somebody is like unruly and, you know, starts talking or heckling, they could boot them out. But it's, it's a way to bring that, um, you know, from a comedy standpoint, you know, the, the audience into the show. Yeah, that's, that's, that's clever. That's clever. I think, you know, what, another thing I've noticed is that these talk show hosts, when they're doing these recordings from their houses, they'll, they'll often, um, uh, they'll often, uh, reach out to like, whether it's a producer or a cameraman that's in the room with them, uh, mm -hmm. just to kind of like, they'll make a little side joke or get a reaction, like just to get any kind of human interaction in it. Right. Right. Um, which is, I'm sure for them, it, it helps them calibrate their performance if they're playing to like a room, even if that room just has one person in it. Um, right. But it also provides a more uh, animated setting and give other give the viewer permission to laugh or to react. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Man, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. You you ready to get your vaccine and get your uh, Bill Gates chip plugged in? Yeah, put it in my arm right now. Yeah, but a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be it'll be my it'll it'll be several months I'm sure before I uh, before I get that vaccine in my arm. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, I it is difficult to imagine how much of this world we're going to carry into the next world. Yes, yes, uh, metaphysically uh, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be comfortable watching two people hug again. <laughs> yeah, it, it, including you being one of them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this is good. So, so Gunner, if uh, people really need to see a picture of a salesman that's getting his uh, motorized roller skates refueled at a gas station in 1961, where is the headquarters for content like that? <laughs> the only place to go is dgshow.org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. Nice. All right. Well, thanks, Gunner. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. Stay safe. 